Welcome in another edition of the College Football Morning Announcement. As always, I'm your host, Nick Shepkowski, with you. And kind enough to join me for this episode of the College Football Morning Announcements. It's, from, it's our guy from Longhorns Wire, Patrick Kahn. Kind enough to uh, jump on a Zoom call with me here on this Thursday night. What's up, Pat? How you doing, man? I'm good, you know. Uh, I mean, it's, it's a rough go right now, obviously. Most people have heard. We got 13 confirmed coronavirus cases down in Texas. We got two dozen players in cell quarantine right now. So it's uh, it's a rough go right now. Yeah, so I guess the first question or first thought goes from there of just I, when that happens and to a team that you cover, I, realistically, is, is college football, do you think when you see that news, is it bound to set here in 79 days or whatever it is until the first Saturday in September? I mean, yeah, we're talking, you know, 79 days. Uh, I, it, you know, normally I probably would start to hesitate, uh, but we've heard from the team, uh, Coach Herman and the athletic director, that they're going to continue their voluntary workouts as planned right now. So it seems like it's all, you know, everybody's gearing up for it. We've heard a lot from the Big 12 commissioner, Bob Bowlesby, over the last few weeks really talking about – they expected this it's you know they they expected to get positive cases uh texas has 13 kansas state has six oklahoma state has five so you know it's not a surprise Uh, i think the bigger surprise is when i saw a team that's not even in our conference but smu in dallas so they're not far from us and and they had zero confirmed cases so you know i thought that was interesting but you know it seems like in the state of texas right now there's a lot of cases and it seems to be ramping up uh, but, you know, they've got these, you know, protocols in place and, and they're going to go through with it. And hopefully we do have college football in 79 days. Yeah, I mean, it's it's one thing and it's bad. I don't want to make any light of it or anything with the situation. Yeah. It's bad now. But if there is a time for it to go down like this, I mean, better to be June 18th, June 19th than to be middle of August, a couple of weeks out of games or heck, game week going into week one, and then for that news to come out. So I hopefully this comes, it goes, it gets put in a rear view mirror and things get better there soon because yeah, not just the University of Texas, but if you watch the news nationally, the whole, whole state of Texas, a real hotbed for coronavirus. Uh, about the Longhorns here in 2020. Last year, I mean, they win the Sugar Bowl 2018, upset a good Georgia team. Sam Ellinger comes out and has the Texas is back, he says, when he accepts the trophy. And was it injuries? Was it a poor defense in general? What led to the disappointing 8-5 and five overall and 5-4 and four, uh, in Big 12 play last year for the Longhorns? Well, you know, a lot of it had to do with the fact that their offensive coordinator, uh, it, for whatever reason, it didn't come all together. I mean, they had the weapons. Uh, Devin DuVernay, who was one of the best receivers in the country last year, um, arguably him and, and Justin Jefferson, probably one and two as, as far as weapons, um, you know, especially going into the draft. You know, they, they were talking a lot about being the two best receivers as far as production on the field. Um, you know, they had injuries, right? Colin Johnson, who was, you know, top five in, in Texas history and catches yards all of that you lose him you have a lot of young guys who you're trying to count on positional changes Uh, so that's really what happened on offense and on top of that the offense coordinator got fired 
before the bowl game. Uh, and then defensively, they're they're running a bad scheme. Even the players said it. I mean, the scheme is not conducive to good production. Uh, and so Todd Orlando's out. He's now at USC. He's going to run that defense out there. Uh, and then you take a look at you know they they didn't they didn't have much of a pass rush last season. Um, and if you go back and look at the Blairo Alamo Bowl uh, against Utah, where they absolutely destroyed Utah, um, they moved Joseph aside from an off-ball linebacker to an edge player. He had three sacks. He had four tackles for loss. Um, you saw the impact that he can make. And, and so there was a lot made of the defensive scheme. So they go out. They hire Mike Yersich from Ohio State, who's the passing game coordinator. They go out and they hire Chris Ash for the defense. And I think a lot of, of what was going on was a combination of, like you said, injuries. And then also, I don't think that they're either the offense or the defensive schemes were really helping, giving that team any chance to win. Yeah, because, I mean, you can go injuries so far. And I, obviously, I mean, depth, it's one thing to have a nice starting 11 or your regulars you count on. But depth in college football, it doesn't matter who you are, it's going to be counted on at some point. It, it, it's another to go to a point where 97th overall defense in college ball all of last year is Chris Ashley. What's early returns? I know it's hard to really judge a guy when he hasn't coached or at least coordinated a game yeah. so far. But what are early returns in terms of of scheme change and in, in, in terms of things that he's looked at to change with this Texas team that seemingly recruits well, has plenty of talent, just hasn't been able to put it together on that side of the ball. Yeah, it, it has a lot to do with their inability to really develop talent. Um, obviously, Tom Herman, the whole time he's been here, he's had top 10 classes every year. Right now, they're ninth in the nation as far as recruiting for 2021. You know, they're getting talent in. It's putting that all together. What Chris Ash seems to have been doing, like he said, Joseph Asai is going to be playing more of a jack role. He's going to be coming off the edge on the weak side. Um, they moved uh, a safety to Marvin Overshone. They moved him up to linebacker because they want a guy who can get out in space, be physical. I mean, this guy's like 6'4", 230. So, I mean, he's got that build of a uh, a linebacker at the NFL level. Um, you know, so they're making some changes there. They're going to more of like a 4-2-5, uh, obviously. And in the Big 12, they run a lot of 11 personnel. So you're going to have a nickel corner on the field pretty much 99% of the time. Mm -hmm. uh, and so they're going to go with that. So they they have him. They have Juwan Mitchell in the middle, who was there last season. Uh, so a lot of what they're doing is just – adding another pass rusher and obviously they're going to they're going to be blitzing they're going to be doing those sort of things and so they have got to find a way to get to the passer and and that's the big thing of what chris ash is putting an emphasis on it's getting to the passer to help create turnovers and get the ball back in their offensive hands yeah it seems like that's the key to this team this year in terms of improvement is can they slow down a pass i mean big 12 wise you're right it's you better be able to score points because you're going to give them up. I guess the one exception to that, kind of Baylor last year, they come out of, I don't want to say nowhere, it was a program that was on the rise, but to be playing in the Big 12 championship game, nearly beat Oklahoma twice, lose both of those games, however. Uh, when you look at that and kind of what Baylor was able to do with Matt Rule and build their defense that way, is that something that Texas, in terms of what they have talent-wise, what Ash has on his resume with Wisconsin and Ohio State being a coordinator there before, is that something that you, Texas fans have confidence in of being, maybe not on the Baylor level, because that was truly a, an elite defense by Big 12 standards, but but getting close to that at least and giving them a shot at a Big 12 title this year? 
Yeah, I think a, a lot of that you talked about, Deshaun Jameson is a guy who, who moved over from wide receiver last year, played corner. He's kind of viewed as their top corner this year. He had three interceptions last season. So they're expecting, you know, playmaking on the outside. Uh, Caden Stearns is a freshman safety. Uh, he had four interceptions last year. Had He wasn't able to stay healthy again. You know, it's one of those things where they, they have these guys. Um, but yeah, I think what you're saying is is on point where I, I think they have to take what Baylor was doing defensively, uh, creating those turnovers. That's really going to help them because they've got a guy in Sam Ellinger who who kind of shows up for the big games. You know, you saw it against uh, Utah. You saw it against Georgia the year before. You saw it against Oklahoma in 2018. Sam Ellinger, for whatever reason, when the lights are brightest, he shows up. And so the big thing for that team is going to be getting the ball in the hands of the offense, because I think the offense is going to need some help this year because of the inexperience of wide receiver. Yeah, we'll get to the offense here right now. We'll get to the receiver in just a second. Uh, with Ellinger, um, preseason hype last year, he was some people's Heisman pick. I think Kirk Herbstreit picked him in his preseason show to win the Heisman. And obviously the things that went wrong with Texas defense specifically um, slowed Dak down. No doubt about it. And my question about him is he, he's a pounder of a runner. I mean, obviously a NFL caliber or maybe a mid-round pick in the NFL here in the coming year. But assuming what happens with quarterbacks that like to run the football and, and play to contact, what else is there a quarterback behind him in Texas in the event, the unfortunate event, that if, if, if he takes the wrong hit and is to miss any amount of time whatsoever? Well, I mean, behind him, you obviously have Casey Thompson, who's been there for several years now. Uh, he's a he's a good arm. I mean, he's a dual threat quarterback. And then behind him, you have the young duo uh, of Hudson Card and Quentin Jackson, who are the number two and number three rated dual threat quarterbacks according to twenty four seven Sports. You know, they're behind them. You know, Hudson Card. A, a lot of people are looking at him as the future behind Ellinger, and you know, Ellinger's kind of taking him under his wing a bit. And uh, so you have him at quarterback. And, you know, there's there's a lot of question marks. And, and with Jaquindon Jackson, um, some people have compared him. You know, he's a Duncanville quarterback. People have compared him to Vince Young in the way that he played. So, you know, it's going to be an interesting quarterback battle beyond that, beyond Ellinger after this season. Uh, but as far as that pounding style, it, he seems like he has the the build, and he even looks like he even got more mu added more muscle to his frame this offseason. So it seems like he's built for that punishing style. Yeah, it seems like it's uh, treated him well so far. I mean, you look at the Texas issues last year; it wasn't on the offensive side of the ball where they came in. He's Patrick Connie joins us here on the College Football Morning Announcements with Nick Shepkowski. Writes for Longhorns Wire, longhornswire.usatoday.com for all of your Texas Longhorns football needs there. Uh, I cover Notre Dame regularly, and it's kind of a flip situation of what Texas has and what Notre Dame has. When you look at Notre Dame, you look at the offensive line and say that might be the best offensive line in the country, pass blocking-wise, run blocking-wise. They should be in good shape. However, you look at their running backs, and it's, okay, who's going to be the load back here? There's a lot of questions, not a lot of answers. I look at Texas. Am I wrong in thinking it's the exact, pretty much the polar opposite out of uh, I, what's going on there with their talented line and their thriving talent in the backfield? 
Uh, yeah, so you look at the offensive line, obviously the big name is going to be left tackle Sam Cosme. He's a guy that's viewed as a top 10 pick uh, in the upcoming draft. He's the, just from what I've heard from other people talking about it, he's probably the second best tackle in the country behind the kid out of Oregon, Penang. Uh, you know, so obviously you have that there. Uh, Derek Kerstetter was their right tackle last season. He's moving to center because Zach Shackelford has moved on to the NFL. Um, so they're going to have to do a little bit of shuffling this season. So you could see some new starters at right guard. You could see new starter at right tackle as they try to shuffle around. Um, you know, lots of questions there. I think Kerstetter and Cosme are probably their two best guys. So they're going to put uh, Kerstetter at center. When you look at running back, they have a lot of running. They have talent there. You have Keontae Ingram, who showed out in the Valero Alamo Bowl. He's going to be your incumbent starter. He can run. He can catch. Uh, you know, he's a, he's a dual threat there. They have Roshan Johnson, who who moved over to running back last year because of injuries. Uh, you know, he was a quarterback, and he played running back, and he did very well. You know, he was probably their second-best runner on the team. And then you have the incoming Bijan Robinson out of Arizona. He's a freshman, number one running back in the country. He's likely their guy who will take over at some point in the season, I think. Um, and be their star running back for the next two to three years. Yeah, he had big time hype as a recruit coming out of Pac-12 country and joining the Texas Longhorns there. Uh, looking at receivers, obviously questions after the talent that leaves for Texas this year. Is this more on a quarterback to make receivers uh, first year, at least big time contributing receivers, the ones that will be counted on? Is this more on Ellinger? Or is it uh, the pressure on the younger guys and the less experienced guys to kind of step in? And if so, who's that going to be for, for Texas this year? Yeah, the it's I think there's going to be a lot on Ellinger there. But, you know, you look at Brennan Eagles was their probably leading receiver who's returning from last year's team. You know, he's come out and said he's not going to play this year. Um, so there's a lot of questions there. You have Tariq Black who transferred from Michigan. Uh, I really liked what I saw from Black, but I had a hard time getting a gauge off of him because he had a guy named Shea Patterson throwing him passes <laughs> in Michigan. You know, so I had a hard time really trying to figure him out. But, you know, if you go back and look at his high school tape and, you know, he was very highly touted coming out of, uh, I believe it was Connecticut. Um, mm. You know, he was a very good wide receiver. And I think coming to Texas will actually help him out. Uh, Ellinger is, uh, to me, is a better quarterback. Uh, you know, and then you have the young guys. Jordan Whittington was a running back. He's converting to wide receiver. He was out last year. Jake Smith, freshman out of uh, the Arizona, out there near Bijan Robinson area. Um, you know, he's a guy, he's kind of viewed as the next guy to take over kind of Devin Duvernay role. And they have some young guys. You have Joshua Moore is a guy that they're expecting something out of. Um, you know, he didn't get to play much last season, but yeah, it's going to be a lot of the young guys. So I think Ellinger's really going to have to, you know, uh, make these guys into something, um, you know, and hopefully, uh, Brandon Eagles does play because he's their best outside wide receiver. I know a thing or two about it just by covering Notre Dame. Texas is another one of those schools. If you're not competing for a national championship, there's a certain percentage of fans that are going to call for your job and put all the pressure in the world on you year after year after year, no matter what happened the five or 10 years before you took the job. What kind of pressures on Tom Herman headed into 2020? I think there's a tremendous amount of pressure for him. Uh, to at least compete for a Big 12 championship. I think he has to at least play for it. 
Uh, Chris Del Conde, the athletic director, said that you get one opportunity to change over your staff. And outside of two guys, the offensive line coach, Herb Hand, Oscar Giles, the defensive line coach, everybody else is new. Um, you know, so there's, there's a tremendous amount of pressure. I don't know if that pressure builds this season or if they're going to give them a year because of everything that's going on this offseason, you know, COVID-19, everything, and having a virtually all-new staff. So it might be a two-year project where next year is the real test for Tom Herman if he's not able to do enough this year. I think there could be some pressure towards the end of the year if they're playing for another low-level bowl like they did in the Valero Alamo Bowl last season. Yeah, it was a nice upset of Utah, but I don't think Texas fans are going to be wanting another trip to San Antonio this year. Speaking with Patrick Kahn from Longhorns Wire, longhornswire.usatoday.com, at longhornswire on Twitter, or you can follow uh, Patrick as well on his own Twitter feed, at Pat Sports Guy is where you can find all of his works and all of his thoughts as well. So moving on from that, the gap between Oklahoma and the rest of the Big 12, maybe on the scoreboard, it hasn't always been there, but in terms of Big 12 titles lately, it certainly has. How close is Texas to, to closing that and maybe getting by the Sooners and having a different representative as the Big 12 champion this year? You know, there's, a, there's always obviously a lot of talk between Oklahoma and Texas. Obviously, they hate each other. Uh, and when you look at Oklahoma, they have the talent, they have the right coach. The big question this year is gonna be how does Lincoln Riley do with a quarterback that he's having to develop? I mean, if you look at previous years, you had Jalen Hurts, Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, all guys who transferred into the program. Now he's got Spencer Radler and there's a tremendous amount of hype around him. But until he actually takes snaps in Big 12 play, uh, it's gonna be tough. And, and one thing that people gotta realize the last out of the last five quarterbacks who made they, their debut in the Red River rivalry against Texas, three of them lost. So you know it's it's going to be a new thing for Spencer Rattler. I know he's highly touted, but I think if there's a year that Texas can kind of close the gap, it would be with an inexperienced quarterback leading the Sooners. Yeah, and you look at some of the 24/7. They do their composite ratings, and you see Texas right there knocking on the door, closer to being the. Alabama's and Ohio State's of the world in terms of talent than you do of actually seeing them there towards the middle blue blood type of teams that you think of there. Uh, real fast, and I know you don't necessarily cover Oklahoma State, but you certainly cover the Big 12 and one of the biggest brands in the Big 12, Mike Gundy. Um, I don't want to put you on the spot too much, but what the hell is going on in Stillwater? Man, there's there's a lot going on, and, and honestly, when, when I saw the the picture that made so much headlines uh, of Mike Gundy wearing the shirt, I was like, oh, his, it, yeah, I knew that his team wasn't going to like it. And then obviously his star running back came out and said, I'm not going to have anything to do with Oklahoma State. Uh, you know, that that's a tough deal. I, I knew with the climate that we're in right now that it wasn't going to sit well. And, and, you know, even Chris Sims, former Texas quarterback, came out and called him clueless. Um, you know, it, it seems like he's quieted it down quite a bit uh, meeting with his team but yeah, that, that was a tough deal all the way around and I knew that it wasn't going to be good yeah I was surprised by that and then the apology that he had was didn't sound like he was reading off a teleprompter at all by any means I, no. I, I even I, said that was the worst teleprompter reading I've ever seen in my life 
Yeah, it was uncomfortable just to watch the apology, let alone to uh, the actual events that went around along it. Absolutely. Patrick, appreciate you taking the time here. Uh, like I said, longhornswire.usatoday.com can follow all of their work there, checking out Texas, checking out a team. The Texas, are they back? Kind of like the uh, the Michigan for us Midwestern folk up here. They're the Michigan of the, the South of the United States. Anyway, will they be back? Patrick gave us good insight to what to expect and some of the reasons they may or may not be. We'll do this again soon. We'll do it throughout the season that hopefully kicks off on time, Pat. We've had a lot of fun tonight. And uh, hope you take care. Hope you stay safe down there in Texas. I appreciate it, brother.